Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Thank you for listening to this Podcast One production. Now available on Apple Podcasts, Podcast One, Spotify, and anywhere else you get your podcasts. Order shipments? Check. Virtual meeting? Check. Schedule heart checkup? Done. We've all adapted to a new way of living. Keep your health care on schedule with Johns Hopkins Medicine, where your health and safety are our highest priorities. We're ready to care for you through virtual and in-person visits across Maryland and the greater Washington region. Your health, our experts, safely caring for you. Schedule your care now. Learn more at hopkinsmedicine.org forward slash safe. Since 1983, Eddie Trunk has been the voice for fans of rock, hard rock, and heavy metal. A best-selling author, host of TV's That Metal Show, and seven national radio shows, including Trunk Nation, daily on Sirius XM. Interesting. Eddie offers the world his news-making interviews, passionate analysis, honest commentary, and who knows what else. So welcome to the Eddie Trunk Podcast. Hey folks, Eddie Trunk here, and time for another edition of the Eddie Trunk Podcast. New every Thursday, podcastone.com, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. Hope you're having a good week. Thank you for listening. Be sure to connect with me on social media, at Eddie Trunk, Twitter, where I am most active, Instagram, fan page on Facebook, eddietrunk.com is the official online home. I am on Cameo. If you'd like a video, go to cameo.com, search for my profile, information and data on how to get one is there and be sure to listen to me on Sirius XM volume channel 106, where you can hear me live every weekday, two to 4 PM Eastern time doing trunk nation, talking rock with you on volume nightly replays of that show, 10 to midnight Eastern and full shows, audio video, more on demand on the Sirius XM app. And we thank our sponsor goodies hangover with a powerful pain reliever and a boosting ingredient, you can get fast pain relief and a boost of alertness to help battle the groggy, tired feeling that comes with a hangover. It's hangover relief at the speed of powder, and it's available at Walmart, Dollar General, Amazon, and other fine retailers. More information at goodiespowder.com. Double dip for you on this week's podcast. Tommy Shaw of Sticks is up first for a rather unique reason. <laughs> Tommy Shaw was recently inducted into the White Castle Hall of Fame. For those that don't live in an area where there is a White Castle, it is a legendary fast food hamburger place. And Tommy was inducted into its Hall of Fame, and I thought that was amazingly cool and an interesting, unique story. So I reached out to Tommy the day after the induction and asked him if he'd come on and talk about it a little bit, and he did. It was a fun chat. So you're going to hear Tommy talk White Castle and what it's like to be in the Hall of Fame and some stick stuff, of course, as well. Second interview this week is with Luke Spiller, lead singer of the band The Struts. Love this band. They recently released a new album called Strange Days. They went in in 10 days and wrote and recorded this record during the quarantine and recently put it out. I think it is their best album yet. Certainly their most rockin'. And we talked to Luke about that, how he went about doing it, the band, uh, and you'll find out they went over to England where they are from for some promo and are basically stuck there because of the quarantine. But a great chat with Luke, who's always entertaining. That'll be second. First up, Tommy Shaw from Sticks on this week's Eddie Trunk podcast. Two nice long interviews for you. 
So real quick open here. Uh, We will come back and get into it with Tommy next. The Eddie Trunk Podcast. Support for this podcast comes from Pluto TV. Ready to get away from it all? Free yourself with Pluto TV. Stream hundreds of channels and thousands of movies and shows all for free. Yeah, free. No contracts, no subscriptions, no fees. Imagine 24-7 channels of Narcos, CSI, Star Trek, Survivor, and everything else from hit movies to binge-worthy TV shows, the latest news, live sports, comedy, and more. What are you waiting for? Download the free Pluto TV app for Android or iPhone and start watching now. Pluto TV. Drop in. Watch free. This is the Eddie Trunk Podcast. All right, as I mentioned, two interviews this week. In a little bit, we'll get to Luke Spiller, lead singer of The Struts, but we start off with Tommy Shaw of Styx talking White Castle and more. Enjoy. All right, here he is, Tommy Shaw, joining us for a few minutes here. Uh, Nice enough to give us some time. I am intensely interested in this story that we found out yesterday that Tommy, along with an old friend of mine, Danny Zalesko, a concert promoter in Arizona, and the late John Prine, inducted into the White Castle Hall of Fame yesterday. Joining us now to tell us how this all happened is the great Tommy Shaw from Styx. My friend, congratulations. I need to hear how this happened. How did it come to be? Did you campaign to be in the Hall of Fame, or did no, they reach out no, to you? No, Danny Zalesko, uh, he, he's been like a, an avid White Castle guy for years, and I mean, a, a very proactive one, and it's, it, it's not uncommon for Danny to order up 200 of them and have them brought to a, a gathering by surprise, and and uh, he did that. We were getting an award in Nashville a few years ago, so the whole band was there, and it was like all these artists. Is, uh, it was called the International Entertainment Buyers Association. You know, the guys who who they go out and, and buy the acts and, and book them and that sort of thing. So it was in a hotel ballroom, and um, Barbara Mandrell was up there giving her acceptance speech, and uh, they had put the food out and it was, you know, banquet food and, you know, everybody's kind of picking at it. And Danny left uh, a few minutes before that and had put in an order and uh, the bell cap, the bellman started bringing in just these giant boxes and opened them up and it was crystal cheeseburgers. So everything kind of stopped because everybody wanted some. Uh, so it, Danny has this great relationship and he was getting inducted and they, uh, they brought up my name. So I'm a huge White Castle guy. So um, I said yes. And I, I had no idea what it was going to be. It wound up being this magnificent afternoon. Well, well, let me ask you this. So first of all, you grew up in Alabama. Did you have White Castle there? No, they didn't have White Castles there. I, I, didn't, I never knew about them. Until, I mean, I heard about them, but it wasn't until I left Alabama and started traveling up north to Tennessee and, you know, the Midwest and Chicago. And then I started seeing them. And, uh, and I lived in Michigan for 10 years. So uh, they, they were very popular then. And that's where I, I found out about them. And that would be my source for that, that burger. Um, it's, it's funny you're talking about you know, that. Well, go ahead. I'm sorry. Well, living in Nashville now, there's one. I've, I've never been to the one that we had the uh, ceremony at yesterday, which is it's over by Whole Foods downtown. Uh, but there's one over in uh, Berry Hill, which is closer to us. And we drive by it all the time. And so it's like, we pull in, let's just get a couple of double-doubles and some fries and a, and a Dr. Pepper. And then, you know, we're just, it's joy inside the car because it's, you know, <laughs> it's, it's very tasty snack. Well, I'm, I'm with you because it's one of my favorite, uh, you know, fast foods. And here in New Jersey, uh, you know, we just had one open a few years ago, like relatively close to me. And it was such pandemonium when they opened that they actually, I never saw this before. They actually put an extra grill out on the parking lot to accommodate all the people. <laughs> it, it was like nuts. Wow. So it's such a thing. It's and, and of course, it's not completely across the country, but everybody knows about it from traveling or the movies that were made or what have you but see tommy that's amazing to me because 
you're able to, and this probably speaks to the reason why you're so thin your whole life, because you can go to a White Castle and just order two double doubles and some fries and be good. When I go, it's an event. Like I can't edit myself. It's like <laughs> I'm getting I'm, I'm getting bags of like especially it's great driving food. So you'll see all the empty boxes oh, littered I, in the passenger seat. It's terrible <laughs> for me. It, I shouldn't be eating that know, much, but I can't so- I can't put a governor on it, man. I I wish I could, but yeah, I I get full, you know, you know, two of those and and the fries and a Dr Pepper, and I'm like, yeah, you know, the good thing there's um, there's caffeine there because otherwise I'd be I'd be laying my head over and taking a nap in the car. <laughs> but you know, we 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 just love them, and they, you know, I love the fact that they. Oh, something else that I didn't realize, I never knew that that they're still a privately owned business. And it's still the same family who did it. The, the uh, Jamie, the host of the of the the ceremony yesterday, he's married to the great granddaughter of the founder. Oh wow, that's amazing! And just for people so they, to understand, listening, this is not in any way any sort of commercial for White Castle in any way. This is just based off of they our. Need, our they, don't need they don't need it. We're, they don't I'm just intrigued. <laughs> Because Alice Cooper got this award a year or two ago, and then now you've gotten it. And I know Danny and what you said about him bringing the food in. I remember being at shows and him bringing in an out backstage and all this stuff. And Danny has a book coming out, and I'm going to be having him on the show soon, so we'll talk to him. But he's the – I know – I figured he was the, the link to all of this. But I'm curious, yeah, Tommy, he, he, now he, you yeah. being you being in the White Castle Hall of Fame – what are the perks where you, do they give you like a bronzed burger? Do you get burgers for life? I mean, what happened at the ceremony? Well, it was, it was amazing because I, I, I had no idea what it was going to be. I thought it would just be like a photo op and, you know, we'd pick up some, some things there and there would be like a press release and that sort of thing. Well, I pulled up, there's a full production crew, uh, the, you know, outside and the, the, the COVID, all that, that stuff that you got to go through signing, you know, uh, the, the questionnaire about symptoms or you had to check off that you didn't, you know, you, that you were good to go and they took your temperature and gave you a mask and your own pen to use. So you're, it was, and it was all social distancing and uh, it was very professional. And uh, they, they sat in, oh, uh, um, Fiona Prime, uh, the wife of the late, great John Prine. She was also inducted and uh, she's, she's our neighbor just down the street, but we had never met before. And so that was another sweet thing that, that came from it. And um, she's also good friends with Danny and Danny's great friends with John. So it's, the world just got a little smaller. Mm-hmm. Um, it, was, it was a beautiful, it was such a beautiful thing. And they, uh, I, it, I, I didn't realize that there was going to be this long kind of conversation and interview and uh, going like a round table uh, of uh, us talking about our lives and careers and uh, experiences. And it was, it was, uh, it was, it, it went on for quite a while and I guess it was streamed live. Uh, so I'm going to go look and see if I can find a, you know, something to see of it, but you know, there was artwork. They, they took album covers and made these huge blowups of like the cornerstone album. Uh, and if you remember that, there's like a, you see someone in a toga kind of thing with their bare feet in the sand. And in the sand is this, it's the uh, inside of the album cover. Uh, well, they did that, but they made the album cover into a, a white castle sign. <laughs> it stuck into there. And the, the pieces of eight album cover, uh, instead of the um, the uh, the Easter Island figures for earrings, they made them into the chicken rings. What <laughs> castle? Uh, you know, they they went to so much detail and trouble. Uh, it was, and they, they he was so well informed of, uh, about sticks and uh, and and me personally, and it was um, you know it was a treat, and I got to eat uh, you know. Whatever I wanted, it was like I could. I would really love a double double cheeseburger and a Pepsi. Boom! And, and uh, the people who worked there were fans, and you can tell how happy they are to work for that company. Which I, I always look and see how how are the employees behaving. It's like when you go into a, a management office or a record company, you look and see what what are how did the people look around 
at the desk that, that, that aren't the boss. And if they're happy, you can pretty much count on it being a happy place. Mm-hmm. But do you get, do now being in this hall of fame, do you, did, is there a statue? Is there a bust of you? And now that's going to go, do they give you a medal? Oh. Was there anything like that? Was there any, any presentation of something to you? Do you get yeah, like yeah, lifetime? They're, they're, you get to cut the line. What do you, what, what's the deal? Uh, well, there was a, uh, a, a beautiful plexiglass guitar. It says, uh, it's, it's an acoustic guitar. And it says, uh, 2020 inductee Cravers White Castle Hall of Fame presented to Tommy Shaw. Uh, so that's all engraved on there. Now I've got it sitting, uh, right next to my, uh, my Beatles, um, little, little serving tray. <laughs> <laughs> it's so, you know, it's so fun and such, uh, a pleasant surprise. I did not expect it to do that. And then when it was over with, uh, all of us went to uh, the the Hermitage Hotel and uh, sat around in the bar and just kind of, all of us were still kind of just amazed at how awesome it was. And and we were actually getting to, you know, the nice thing was getting to socialize, uh, which is, you know, that's a rare thing right. these right. days. Well, it's, uh, it sounds... Today, no, go ahead. Yeah, today. Well, is today the, is the parade. Uh, Danny, <laughs> Danny texted me while because I was uh, listening to, to the mixes of the new six album, and uh, Danny texted me. He said, "We're down at Fiona's." Like, oh hell! I, you know, I'm right in the middle of this. I, I can't leave. So Jeannie went down there because it's just you know it's about a half a mile down the road, same road we live on. So Jeannie took the car down there and picked Danny and, and his wife, uh, Leslie up, brought them back. So Danny got to come hear some of the album. And, um, you know, there's this, it, it, it was really sweet. That, uh, Jeannie and Fiona, uh, got to meet each other and talk and they they have so much stuff in common. Uh, that we, our friends of ours had told Jeannie said, you're, you're going to love Fiona and she's going to love you. And, uh, so they are, definitely kindred spirits and you know that was that might have been uh the greatest uh you know thing that happened out of us well i gotta tell you i think it's awesome and i i i you know it's one of my favorite foods and i i thought it was great hearing about this and i knew danny probably had to be pulling some strings there because i know danny well and that's definitely had him written all over it and uh you know look yeah. uh you uh, me, I should say, and all the fans of Sticks are really upset that Sticks has not been considered for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. But now you can sell, you can tell them, Tommy, I am in a Hall of Fame. I am in the Hall of Fame. Maybe the more important one. You're in the White Castle Hall of Fame. Who needs the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? Damn it! <laughs> uh, hey, look, I'm in. I'm also in the Alabama Music Hall of Fame. There you go, with Eddie Floyd, and and that that's what that meant the world to me. Uh, honestly, that's that's more personal for me than the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is because that is so not about rock and roll. It's so I don't know what it's about. It's not about the the you know uh, your relationship with your fans. It's uh, and and this is uh, you know I've made some great friends and had a great time with it and uh, and was was pleasantly surprised. What what a great operation that they run! Just to just to see the people who work there, how happy they are, and and that that means so much to me. They're not just people back there, you know, hourly wage. You know, right. uh, don't look at me fired to get somebody else. These are career people that that work there, and it's like I said, it's a it's privately owned, so it's not you're not eating corporate food. You're eating some somebody's, you know, you know, thing that they love. And I'm not, you know, I'd like you said, I'm not, I'm not being sponsored by them, but they were very generous uh, with their time with me and uh, were very respectful. And it was, you know, now I'm in the hall of fame there. That's awesome. It's awesome. <laughs> hey, uh, <laughs> it is. Real quick, before I let you go, you mentioned the sticks album. There's mixes done, huh? So you, the, the record, can you give us an update on that? Yes. We're, the, the mixes are done. And, Unfortunately, this we're, we're 
we're going to have to wait until we can go out and perform and, um, and, and, you know, help to, uh, promote the album that way. Cause otherwise we're just handing it to Spotify. Right. Uh, and that's, you know, we, 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 we put a lot of time, energy and resources into, uh, into doing this and we'd like an opportunity to be able to sell some albums and sure. that sort of thing. And not have not come back with a, with a 15 cent check at the end of the year. What a year. Great. What are you thinking, so, Tommy? Those white castle have gone right to your head, man. What are you crazy? You want to sell it? Turn, <laughs> turn me into a corporate guy. <laughs> So what? Uh, you, so so you think next year, maybe sometime it, early, hopefully mid next year. You know, it all depends on you know. So we're looking, we're constantly looking at uh, uh, and and planning ahead to when we do finally get to perform again. Here we we have our protocols together. We already have one of our crew who's taken the course and become a certified COVID guy who's like a COVID cop who will, who will run all of those kind of protocols at the gig. So there's a, it's all going to change the way the day runs there. It'll be simplified. Fewer people will have contact with the band and our crew. But, uh, and, and we're, we're looking at dates uh, a couple of months from now that may actually happen two or three months. I don't know. Uh, and it just depends on how uh, the country progresses. If, if there is indeed, you know, people wanting to, you know, be on the, the, um, you know, the uh, solution side of it and let's keep each other safe and, and not politicize all this stuff. And we can get together and be safe with each other in a venue, then we'll start playing shows again. But, you know, mm-hmm. people are people, and I'm not saying they're anybody's right or wrong. It, we just have to get to that place where we can all be safe and, and, you know, take care of each other. Yeah, yeah. Well, hopefully that day comes sooner than than not, because we're all looking forward to not only hearing new sticks and seeing the band out there again, but all the bands, all the shows, I mean, everybody's missing that, but it's great that yeah. you had a, it's great that you had a nice moment there uh, yesterday. And uh, I, I'm, I'm sincere about it. I think it's incredibly cool. And, and I wanted to, to I, I appreciate you making a few minutes to just give us some insights on it because I wasn't quite sure how it worked. And it sounds like it was a, a wonderful uh, afternoon and event. And uh, I appreciate you sharing some of it with us. Well, it was, I, I'm glad you called, you know, it was, uh, yeah, and because you are you, you understand you're you yes. you're a fan of that. So uh, I'm more yeah. of a fan than I than I ever have been. And I got and they told me that they're bringing back the Sloppy Joe White Castle. <laughs> See, I don't I don't go for the spinoff stuff. I'm a purist. I like the uh, the, the regular ones, the double double. You know, I like to stay in the yeah. zone of my my set things. But I don't like to deviate too much. Oh, come on, get, go out there and, and just take a risk, man. Go be, go wild and have a sloppy <laughs> joke. They're so good. <laughs> I was never the surf and turf guy. I always stayed. I always stayed in my no. lane. <laughs> hey, I got to run, Tommy. You, that that, that music okay. that music means I got to wrap up because I got to hit a break. But I, no, I appreciate no. the time. Let's talk when the music's ready right. and uh, hit me up if you need anything. And congratulations. Okay. All right. Give everybody my best. All right, man. Thank you so much. Bye. There he goes, everybody. Tommy Shaw. That is awesome. All right, we got to take a break and do our top of the hour. Up next, Pat Travers. Boom, boom, out go the lights, snorting whiskey, drinking cocaine. He's got a uh, live stream coming. We'll talk with him and about that and whatever else. Next on Trunk Nation on volume. Well, you don't know how many people after that interview originally aired on my Sirius XM show told me that they were then hungry and immediately had to go seek out a White Castle. (laughs) Thanks to Tommy, and congrats on his induction into the White Castle Hall of Fame. Great guy. Always good to visit with him. We got to take a break, and we'll come right back and get into another interview with Luke Spiller, lead singer of The Struts, next. Welcome to the Muppet. Yeah! (laughs) Podcast. You knew this was coming. Guess who? start this thing off join me every week for the michael irvin podcast we'll give you the full 
MIP experience. I'm talking everything from football to fashion. I will be chopping it up with playmakers, headline makers, and I am throwing haymakers. I'm the MVP of the MIP. Don't miss it. Download new episodes of the MIP, the Michael Irvin podcast, every Thursday on Apple Podcasts, Podcast One, and Spotify. Eddie Trunk back with you. Interview number two on this week's podcast is with Luke Spiller, lead singer of one of my favorite newer bands, The Struts. These guys went in the studio and knocked out a record really quickly, and they did an amazing job on it. That album is out now. It's called Strange Days, and here's Luke to tell us all about it. He is the lead singer of The Struts. You all know them as one of my favorite newer bands. They just released what might be their finest album yet. It is their third album. It's called Strange Days. It is out now from The Struts. The one and only Mr. Luke Spiller joins us. From his mom's house. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Living the you rock and roll dream. Sleeping you in your own hyping, bed. <laughs> you were hyping me up so well then. And then all of my rock and roll credibility just flew out the window. As soon as you I pulled mentioned the curtain was, right back. I just pulled it right did. back on you. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. I mean, I, I, I've become too much of an, of an enigma and, and I need to be humanized a little bit. So, yes, I can confirm I'm at my parents' house momentarily. Well, I <laughs> so, so, all right. So here we got, I got a, I got a, there's a little trajectory here we have to talk about. So last time I saw you in person was earlier this year. We were having one too many at the rainbow. I tried to put on your, your, shirt which didn't even fit over my arm walking down sunset boulevard which is a great moment but you had at that time because i want to go through the lineage of this record around that a little before that time you had played me some stuff of music that was going to be the next record that you were like fine-tuning and getting ready to make as the next struts record which was completely scrapped because none of it's on the, the new album strange days what happened to that stuff, and how did you guys decide to do what you did making the record that you just put out? Well, yeah, you're correct. Um, towards the end of 2019 and January 2020, myself and Adam, um, like you pointed out, we, we were working on a, a collection of tracks, which are very, very good songs. Um, so everyone will be looking forward to that at some point. But then what happened was when COVID was basically cancelling everything left, right, centre, we then started thinking of ways to keep engaged with our fans. We started doing like Sunday services and we were doing like a radio kind of show, like digitally. And it was brought up to us, like, would you like to go into the studio for 10 days and just record maybe three, four songs at the most, uh, just for the fans. Forget about radio, forget about the label and forget about the powers that be and just go in and, and have fun. And that fun, I think we had too much fun because we ended up walking out with like 10 songs in 10 days. And then this album just kind of came out of nowhere. Now, the previous songs, obviously we're going to talk about the new record and that's the focus. But when you... Because I know you worked hard on that stuff that I heard before, and I know that you were really agonizing over it and going over it a bunch of times. What do you when you create that much material and then you sort of put it in the back burner and then you get on to what you did with Strange Days? Do you are you of the mindset of like I'd like to at some point and you sort of alluded that you would revisit that stuff, maybe even put it out, or are you the guy always thinking forward and you're like, nope, it didn't make the cut this time, it's staying there, and we move forward. No, 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 no. I mean, I, some of the things that we've done towards the end of last year and the beginning of this year, I, I, they're just going to be too good not to do anything with. I, I mean, as as fine as a record Strange Days is as an album, and like it, it's a, it, it's kind of like a concept record in the way that it encapsulates everything that was happening at that specific moment in time, but there has there is other material which is more uh let's say 
painstakingly thought out and is a little bit more typical to what we've done in the past. Um, just massive, massive choruses, big, big hooks, kind of different from what we've just put out. But there, there's a time and a place. I'm not, I'm not particularly um, precious, but yet I do feel like there, there's at least three or four of these songs that need to be heard. Um, so we'll probably put them out. You know, <laughs> why not? Uh, Pretty I mean, well. Yeah, I mean, I just was mentioning that before you came on that that all artists have right now is unfortunately they can't tour, so it's just about making music and creating and working on songs. So you're going to see a lot of music come out, and yeah, I just was wondering if because of the way you did Strange Days so quickly, so live, and just went in and did it, if it's had you rethink your whole process going forward, or that's more of that was a time and place due to the circumstances, but we're going to get back to doing the the way we used to do it. No, I mean, I feel like when it comes to like a follow-up record to Strange Days, it's going to be kind of hard to go back to the way we approached music previously because it was just, it was, it's been too fruitful. It's been too... Um, it just feels like a big step in the right direction. So it's not, I, I wouldn't think it was a, a smart thing to do to then kind of go back to the status quo. I mean, that's how you grow. It's like you experiment, try things out, and sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. Strange Days as a concept has just been a happy experiment, which, thank God, had great, great results. Yeah, so you sent me this record a while ago and and I had to keep my keep a lid on it which I did and and it was killing me because I loved it so much so quickly and you and I talked a lot about it before it it was even announced and I know that it the way it came together for you was very uh quickly and and live and I just love everything about this record. Tell me and tell the audience how you actually did it. Cause you did it in quarantine. You guys all went and got tested and basically said, okay, we can go in and you knocked this out very quickly. Um, when, when was the idea just born out of the fact of the pandemic? Do you think you would have done something like this if there wasn't a pandemic? No, this album, this album's a double-edged sword. As frustrating as the times are, this record would have never been created if we hadn't have had this, window of opportunity where everyone around us had a very devil may care attitude and i think the record came about as a result of the hunger that the band had and the producer john levine to make an album like this well not even an album it was all like i said it was just going to be maybe three or four songs at the most and we were just so excited and I had so many lyrics and uh, titles and melodies. Adam had so many riffs. The two to three week period leading up to the 10 days, like I'd wake up and I was just working, 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 working. And I think it, that was one of the reasons why it was such a prolific 10 days. It was like we would wake up, and then we'd jam something out. It kind of felt cool. I'd look through my lyrics. Something was there and it suited it. I'd start singing and then we would get like the right take, the right arrangement. And I'd record it on my phone <laughs> just so I can kind of tweak the melodies in my head and the lyric. And then we would move on to the next one. And so there was always, we were like one step ahead of ourselves for the entire record. And, um, it, it was a magical, magical 10 days. It was incredible. Let's talk about the title track to the record, which is a track that features Robbie Williams singing on it with you. But the thing I find interesting about that is, t you know, tell me where it came in the lineage of the songs and when you wrote it. What It opens the record, but was it the first thing that came to mind in terms of you writing and creating the record? No, the first track was all dressed up with nowhere to go. And that kind of kick-started the whole process. The, the last two songs that we did were Strange Days and Am I Talking to the Champagne or Talking to You? And by the time we got to Strange Days, as you've noticed, there's a lot of features on this record. And 
I'd sort of like called up a few people before the session and just said, you know, if we managed to conjure up anything, would you be interested in getting involved? Everybody said yes. So I knew that we had like Robbie Williams interested in doing something with us. So I really encouraged once we got to like the eighth song on day six or something like that, I think it was, that we should really try and push and create something that has a little bit of like a Beatles, Britpop kind of vibe to it, but also something that we knew um, Robbie was going to kill, which is kind of the things that I and the band grew up listening to. Like, I know that Robbie Williams isn't a very big name in the USA, but She's the One and Angels and Let Me Entertain You. These were massive songs in the UK. So we all knew the kind of like wheelhouse in which a song for him to be on needed to be in. So we took an idea that I'd done almost like a month, a year to the month when we were in the studio and just went from there basically. And then it just came out of, came out of the ether. We just sucked it out of the ether. It was incredible. What about the decision to make that the lead single from the record? You know, it was funny, Luke. I was teasing the record coming out because I had heard it. Like I said, you'd sent it to me and I heard the whole record. And I was teasing with my audience, which is very much a, you know, a hard rock audience and telling them, you can't, you got to hear this struts record. It's, it's totally rocking. It's live. It's got this, it's that. And then the first single comes. And again, it's a great song. Strange days. It's a great song, but that's the lead track from the record. And I'm sure half of my audience is like, this guy's fucking out of his mind. What's he talking about? This is a, a ballad with piano. Where's, where's he talking about with this rip and guitar and these great grooves. So was it, right out of the gate obvious to open the record with that song and lead with it as the first single well two things like i said the song itself was written very late in the process and as a writer being in those sessions and just sort of like being a part of it the lyric everything to do with it just felt very unique and when I was figuring out the track listing for the album, I was like, well, <clears throat> this isn't a song that you can just put halfway through if you were to listen from start to finish. And Champagne has to close the album. I was like, there's there's no other way. And I was like, fuck it. It's proper bull. It's more ballsy to just like open up with probably the most obscure song on the entire record and just kind of let that sit. But it's actually really good because it starts off very intimate and then as the song goes and goes it get, it gets more epic it gets bigger and bigger and then when it gets to track two you're kind of like fully in there and you're rocking so but in terms of like the single it was um that was pretty much our, our uk label they were like you have a song with robbie williams <laughs> we were like yeah and they were like we've got to put this out now like yesterday so and they were very happy about it it's i mean it looks like our, we're going to get our first top 10 UK album, um, which will be announced tomorrow on Friday. So fingers crossed. But it's done, it's done us some real amazing things. But I, I've always thought you'd have liked um, Wild Child, the one with Tom Morello. That, oh, I think wow. you already know that. Oh, yeah. I mean, absolutely. And Alex, if you have that, we you should play some of that going in a break. But that, but I love the whole record. I honestly do. You know that. We've talked about it. I mean, I, I love the, including the song Strange Days. I mean, it's brilliant. I mean, I love the whole record. I'm just saying that it was funny because yeah. I was pumping the audience saying, you got to hear how rocking this Struts record is. And then the first thing you, you lead with was that. And I was just like, trust me, it's coming. It's on there. It's, <laughs> it's on there. It's coming. Um, and then, of course, you know, people have now the ability to to hear the whole record so let me ask you about some of the other guests on here uh, you mentioned morello on wild child which to me may be the most aggressive rocking song of uh, that the struts have done yet massive riff from adam tom doing his thing at the end uh talk a little bit about that song and 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 how and where it came from that was really cool i it's so funny when uh you have an idea in your head and you think you kind of 
you've done it and you've completed it. So I, I came to the guys and I was like, I've, I've got this, I've got this idea. And, um, and it was a really moody ballad and, uh, it had like, wild the child was, I, wild child was, was yeah, started it, out as a moody ballad. Yeah, it was a moody, but all my songs are moody ballads. That's how they start. <laughs> you know, it's just me, you know, sat alone at a piano, like hunched over by candlelight, smoking cigarettes and, and writing. Which you um, have to stop. I already yelled at you about that off the air. You don't know it, but I was yelling to my audience. I'm like, this guy's got such a brilliant voice. We just lost Eddie Van Halen to mouth cancer. You've got to stop smoking. Don't do that to yourself, man. I won't. I'm just really good at it. But um, <laughs> <laughs> so, but yeah, and then Adam and the band were playing that riff. I think it was like on the second day. And I remember like thinking like, will they turn that down? Like that ruckus, <laughs> that, that, that rocking ruckus. I was like, I'm trying to think, I'm trying to write some God given poetic lyrics here. And uh, it was, it was, it was actually the producer, John, who was like, this is, this is cool. This is good. You guys should do something with this. And I was like, really? And um, even Adam was like, really? <laughs> the guitar player. <laughs> Um, but we did. We sat down, and I, I I sort of brought my wild child lyric idea, and there was a bit of the melody which I kind of like shoehorned into it. But it it became something very cool, and we and we arranged it as we played. So when it goes to the three four section, we we were kind of like, where do we go? And then. And I think I think someone for a joke went do 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 and then we all started just crashing away and and again John the producer was like yeah you guys should do that and we were like really <laughs> so um, ass, man it's great yeah it was great it was great it was really fun and and we had so much joy um, making that song and 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 all of them it was just such a pleasure it was it was fantastic. I mean, look, I could go through the whole record because I love it so much. Can't sleep. I love just so, so hooky. You you mentioned champagne. Um, I love burn it down, which is totally yeah. like a bluesy piano going on in there. And then you've got a total, you've got a, a song that's just, I mean, I think would be, would fit so brilliantly on a Stones record with cool. I mean, and what a great yeah. riff too. talk a little bit about cool. Cause the riff is so catchy. It's got. I mean, even the drums in it are so cool, you know, getting what he's doing. It's just so cool. Um, it's called cool. Talk, talk about that track for a second. <laughs> Honestly, wow. That, that was the real turning point in the writing process because, as you've noticed, I think the song itself is like six and a half minutes. The arrangement's like very off the cuff. And then there's about a two and a half minute jam section at the end where everyone's just kind of going mental but it would no it was it was really it was really great we just we were listening to dance little sister dance and i we, we were all drinking wine the night before we did that song and i was like we you know we need something like this something that you know we're going to groove and get down to but it's still got to be sexy and then and then yeah we started just playing around the next day and then adam was came up with that then then and then basically what you hear in my vocal the verse and the chorus the whole song is was the first take of me just reading on my phone the lyrics that i had and then that, oh, that wow. was it yeah and then I, tr I, I tried to redo it but it just didn't have the magic like i was i was like on an sm 58 in the control room with the music bleeding through the microphone. Like I think Bono does that. And it just gave it this incredible vibe that I just couldn't recreate. And the performance was so off the cuff. It just fitted so well. So, um, yeah, I remember we all looked at each other and, and the gates of like freedom were open because if we were like, well, if we can make an, a, a kick-ass six and a half minute jam song then we can do whatever the hell we want so what should we do next and i think burn it down was next after that so 
You know, as soon as I heard the record, too, I, I texted Adam, your guitar player, as well, and I told him about Cool. I said, that riff is so killer. And I said, I love that you jam at the end of it. And he goes, wait until we play it live. I'm going to make the jam go even longer. <laughs> and I was like, I don't know if Luke knows about that, but <laughs> he's looking for it to go more to like 10 minutes than the six and a half it is on the record. But it's just Dude. a killer groove. It's great stuff. Um, I want to ask you about two other quick songs. So... You have on the record, uh, we talked about the guest performances. You also have Phil and Joe from Def Leppard. And, you know, Joe is one of the guys, when I first heard about the Struts, your band, I contacted because Joe and I are friends, and I was just like, he's, he and I are very much like-minded in a lot of the things we like with newer bands. And he, you know, he was like, yep, mate, I'm all in with them too. I love them. I love them. And now he's he, along with Phil, are on – uh, on a song on the record and you actually did a bit where you called Joe on the phone for people that haven't heard it the way it opens like an answering machine bit calling him to sing on it so was that an immediate uh, thought that he would like what you say in the open in the recorded bit that he would be great on a song like that is that why you reached out to him well what happened was I was in contact with Joe and Phil just before the sessions and Basically, for anyone who's wondering why we covered the Kiss song, Do You Love Me? That was because I wanted to have Joe and Phil on that one because Phil was obviously the guitarist in Girl who recorded the song, Do You Love Me? Which was a Kiss cover, which was the version that I was referencing. And that was my master plan. That was going to be the big hoo-ha moment, bringing everything full circle and us doing that cover with them two on it. And they, I sent it to them like, you ready? And they were like, nah, no, nah, we don't want to do this. And I was like, ah, okay. And they were like, can we do something <laughs> like new and fresh? And I was like, well, what about, I hate how much I want you. Check it out. And Joe was like, yeah, this is, the both of them were way more excited. And I'm so glad that they did because they definitely, um, elevated that song as if, as did all of the features, but that one in particular, but I, I don't want to burst the bubble. I have to say that the, the phone call was staged. Uh, I, I recorded it in Hawaii a couple of weeks after the album had been recorded. And uh, just to make sure that everybody knew that Joe Elliott and Phil Collin were about to sing and play on a song with the struts as soon as you press play. That was the, uh, that was the goal. So, um, yeah, that's yeah, why my acting's so terrible on it. <laughs> I was just going to say, I was going to say, that's not surprising. You're, you're a great singer, great front man, great songwriter, not a great actor, Luke. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't, and, hey. neither is, and neither is Joe, by the way, because you, you know, same, same, same goes for Joe. You know, he, he could have yeah. sold it better, but it's, it's, it does say right up front that he's on it. So that's cool. I've already made a pact, you know, like when, when they do their biopic, I'm going to play Joe. So, you know, <laughs> he's, he's already agreed to it. I'm already, I've already, I'm already taking lessons and I'm trying on a bunch of blonde wigs as we speak. <laughs> hey, one other thing on a song on the record, you just mentioned it. So this is really interesting for my audience. So do you love me? Which ever the world knows is a kiss song was actually covered for people that don't know what Luke was referencing. It was actually covered by a British band in the early eighties called girl. And, and Phil Collin was in the band who of course later went on to join Def Leppard as was Phil Lewis, the singer. He later went on to do LA guns, but they did record it on one of their two early records. Did you, so the idea of doing, do you love me? Where did you first hear it? Did you hear the kiss version or cause girl was not a big band, but, but did you know of them in England? I mean, how did you even, how did that song even get on your radar being a younger guy to know to do it? Well, it was, it was forwarded to me by my manager who is scarily bright when it comes to music in general. And when I'm, when I'm making an album, I, I, I tend to make like a, a reference playlist. And I, I had that song on the playlist when I came out to LA with Adam in November to start work on what I thought would be the follow-up to Young and Dangerous. Because I, if you know the original Kiss version, it, it's okay. But, and then you listen to the girl one and it's like, ooh, okay. From, it's, 
it tickles my fancy a lot more. It's like the drums sound brilliant. It's more up tempo. It's simplistic. I think the chords are even different in the chorus. <laughs> I'm laughing right now because I hear about 98% of my audience ready to like, and I love that you have your opinion and I respect it, but you're talking about the Kiss masterpiece produced by Bob Ezrin, and you're saying an obscure British band's cover was better. That's brilliant. I love that you're willing to say Thank that, you. but it that is completely opposite of what the world would think right now. <laughs> A and B them. A and B them. And, you know, and actually don't play Wild Child. I want to hear a bit more air supply. That's the, uh, I want to get your viewers to listen to Making Love Out of Nothing at All again. That's a tradition. <laughs> oh, that's right. I forgot about that. Just <laughs> really pissed them off. <laughs> but any so anyway, so the girl version was what you actually had on the recording. That's what you actually were working off of. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there was there's just some crazy like things going on there, like sonically. It's just it's it's uh I remember when I was singing it and I was like, when it goes, you really like my limousine, and then when it gets to the chorus, it like changes key. I was like, the, the singer was singing the verse in a completely different key. And and then, cause it was acapella, just the drums. So he had no key to go from. And then when the, when the chorus comes in, he obviously like tunes into what the key of the song actually is. And I thought that was great. I, I, I thought it was a stroke of unintentional genius, but I mean, look, I, I don't mean to offend all the Kistians out there. I'm just, you know. That, no. That, that song specifically, I have to say, the girl version is better. Like, I, don't get me wrong, Kiss have done some really great songs. You don't have to backpedal from it. <laughs> it's fine. I, I'm a huge Kiss fan, and I respect what you're saying because I love people that are just honest about how they feel. And, and I do think, by the way, Girl did a cool cover of it. It's just that in this, uh, in this country especially, there's not a person in the world who know who Girl is and that they had even covered the song. I think, I think it might have been covered by someone else at one point. I, I was it Nirvana early on? May have even done it, but but there have been obscure covers of it in the past. But I got to say, you guys have put the strut spin on it, and I think it it fits perfectly with the record, and it sounds like you guys. It really it really fits the vibe of the record in the band. I think. Thank you. No, I mean it was it was actually we decided to do it once we'd kind of hit a creative wall. I think it was like four days in, and we had like six songs and we started second guessing everything tensions were a little bit high. So I said, right, we're having the day off. Let's get pissed up by the pool. So we got a bunch of beers in and then we just got drunk at like midday. And then the next day we did like three songs. So sometimes you just got to know when to give yourself a day off in order to create three songs in one day, the next day. So you're in England um, what happened? The record came out. You made the record in LA. You went there. I know I saw you do that thing at the uh, soccer stadium or the soccer game there uh, where you performed. Is and, and then did you do some shows in the UK? Like what's what's gone on in the last couple weeks as far as what the plan is for playing and why you're there? Here's the situation. We <laughs> we finished the record. We all patted ourselves on the back and said, what an amazing job we've done. Then our UK label got very excited. And in terms of our visa situation, like I think our visas ran out in about June. So normally under any other circumstances, we would pop over to England, quickly go into the US embassy, get everything stamped, and we'd be back out within a fortnight. But we basically were kind of stuck in the UK because nothing is, the US embassy is not open in the United Kingdom. Um, I don't think hardly any embassies are open across the world for obvious reasons. But then we got this offer to do soccer aid in the United Kingdom that was just too big of a launch for the song itself, you know, like a a virtual performance with Robbie and on like primetime TV. So we basically just had to roll the dice and we went and I'm glad we did because it really, 
cause like a lot of um, synergy here back in our kind of like home turf, which we've never, ever had before. So now I'm kind of stuck here until um, until the embassies open again. Or I could just, you know, I could cross the borders illegally, I suppose, um, <laughs> like in a box or... Luke you know. swimming across the ocean. <laughs> Yeah, I could do that. Say rock and roll and swim across the channel, swim across the pond, you know. Could be could be a good promotional stunt for the record. You could get a little boat or something, put strange days on the side. And Luke sailing to America. Is the band yeah, there or just so the whole band is basically stuck in England at the moment? Yeah, we are. Yeah. Yeah, cuz um I could go over for pleasure. Um but I, I tend to keep work and pleasure fairly close together. So if I get caught, you know, I could be banned for 20 years. So don't want that. Right. And what's the situation? What's the situation there in that country as far as lockdowns and performances? You were asking me during the commercial break what it's like here now, but what's going on there? Is there any any scenario? Because here in the U.S., you actually did a couple drive-in shows before the record came out. Uh, what what's is there any model for you guys to be able to play there or anywhere else in the world while you're waiting this out? Not I, the thing is, Europe is so is pretty bad, and the UK is experiencing like a second wave at the moment, especially the north parts of um, the United Kingdom uh, where Adam is. Funny enough, um, but we won't blame him for that. But so. In, in terms of being able to play and stuff, it's it's not looking great, and that includes Europe as well. I think I think America has the only place that I've seen doing drive-in shows, small capacity um, performances, and whatnot. The only thing we could really do here is pre-taped kind of like performances, which um, I think we're going to be doing pretty soon. Are you interested in doing what so many of these artists are doing now, which is a concert in a rehearsal studio or something that they put out as a live stream, a ticketed live stream sort of deal? Is that appeal to you at all to do, to do that? I know you did stuff yeah. online prior to the record, but would you consider getting everybody together there and doing doing that sort of thing? Yeah. I mean, just from what I've experienced doing the drive-in shows, which – weren't exact i wasn't exactly like yeah i can't wait to do some drive-in shows it it was different but it was better than doing nothing and it was still great to play on stage it was still great to see the fans all spread out as they were but they were still there and with the live streams i think it would just be a good excuse for the band to kind of get together and play and 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 actually work up these new songs which you really haven't had a chance to play properly so it'd be i don't know it'd be a it'd be a glorified rehearsal but then it'd also be a good excuse to try on my new stage outfits which i haven't had the chance to yet so i'll do it for that i'll do it for the fashion <laughs> Well, you'd also have to take into account the time difference for the US if you want to get that audience too because in order for you to, you know, if you did it if you did it now for instance, which would be the right time to do it there in England, uh, you know, here it's just past 3 on the East Coast, so you're doing it sort of in the middle of the day. But most of the people that are doing them archive them so people can't tune in live as it happens, then they'll watch them for another 48 hours. So that would help to get around that. But yeah, I have I understand so many artists doing it because it's what else can you do? But obviously it's not the same thing. And anybody that's seen the Struts live knows it's such an audience interactive experience. It's, it's so much about that community of that audience in there, singing every word, jumping around, dancing around. So that, yeah, it's, it would, it would, I, I would think for a band like you guys who are so engaged with your audience live, it would absolutely be maybe the most different of any band I could think of because of that relationship you have with the crowd. Yeah, absolutely. And it was the same with the drive-in shows. Um, but like I said, it was, it's not that bad. And, and I, and I think it's just a case of being creative with it. You could, you could edit the footage, you can make it look cool. You know, wh- one thing I had to be clear with the, p- the powers that be was like, I'm not going to go out there like 
with my hands clapping, pretending that there's an audience watching me. You know what I mean? That would just be weird. So it requires like a different kind of performance, almost like a top of the pops kind of aspect to it. Like, or like a, you know, like a, like a live uh, broadcasted television performance in many ways. So, but it'd still be fun. So we'll, we'll get around to doing it. Last thing, man. And I'll let you, let you get on with your evening. So you, you referenced this a little while ago, your relationship with your home turf there in England and anybody that has seen the struts and I've been at shows where I've seen you, you know, vent frustration uh, on stage with the fact that America seemed to embrace you more. And at that time, and that you were frustrated with the UK kind of coming along slowly in the last year or so that's clearly changed, but do you, do you feel that continuing with this record? I mean, you mentioned you're almost top 10, so it's got to feel good that the home turf is starting to recognize the band a little bit more uh, and, and, and catch up to America in some regards. Absolutely. And I, I always, we always knew it was going to happen at some point. And I'm so glad that we, um, we did so much groundwork in the States because the United States is is kind of where we really kind of like grew and grew and grew as a band. It was kind of like our Hamburg and like, and I think now is the, now the time is right. And this is the right record. This is the right moment. We're a better band than ever. And uh, it's kind of just all worked out in a crazy sort of like weird reason, but um, it has been really, accelerating a lot like you said especially after the year or so i mean it's amazing we we don't get any radio we hadn't had any radio support in the united kingdom apart from this song but yet for the last kind of 18 months we'll tour the united kingdom and we'll sell as many tickets as we do in america where we have loads of support with people like yourselves and people from all over the United States, like playing our music and stuff. So it really goes to show the, the power of um, the fans and uh, word of mouth and social media and things like this. So it's all good. I just hope we can just get back to it soon, you know? Yeah, yeah. You know, Joe Elliott could have a conversation with you and tell you a thing or two about trying to break in his own backyard and having broken America you know, yeah. because because in America, Def Leppard broke on Pyromania, and Joe would tell me stories all the time about he'd go back home to England and nobody knew who he was or knew the band, yeah. and it wasn't until his stay. That blew my mind when he told me that, because Pyromania in America literally sold 10 million copies, and they were in arenas here, and then Joe said he was practically anonymous in England. And then it wasn't until Hysteria that they broke there. And it it didn't help mm. that Def Leppard, I don't know if you know this, on their very first record, their first single was a song called Hello America, which is basically yeah. them calling out to America. Yeah. You know, So I can understand the Brits maybe feeling a little bit off put by that, uh, should, should maybe, but uh, they got over it just fine. They weathered the storm. Yeah. No, I mean, I've, I've had loads of great conversations with, with Joe especially and um he he's such a wonderful guy and and I think that's what's made this record even more special is the fact that like you said earlier on he he's really been behind us from for a very long time now I mean we're talking like 6 years or so and it was just so cool to sort of like have him and Phil on on a song with us. It just it feels like everything's come full circle, and and uh, I'm just glad he's like a part of it because he deserves to be. So, um, you know, Joe, if you're listening, thank you so much for making my song really good. <laughs> <laughs> hey, the last last thing, how does it feel to be? How are your parents? Um, I don't know if you if you if you still have your dad or if he's there, but you mentioned your your mom is your mom's house. Um, how how has mom dealt with and and liked uh, her son Luke uh, living the rock and roll dream? And how is it to be with mom, uh, you know, at this time and spending some time at home? They're they're loving it. Both both my mom and dad are absolutely loving it. My my dad's living on Facebook, just like seeing like all of the struts <laughs> updates. Then my mom's sort of like 
shouting at him all the time, like, you know, I thought you were making a cup of tea. And he'd be like, like in a minute, in a minute, just scrolling through Facebook, all the fan pages and stuff like that, trying nice. to get all the latest gossip, you know. But it's cool, honestly. It was emotional when we had our first play of Strange Days on BBC, on the BBC uh, radio. Uh, yeah, there, there were tears, tears of joy. Um, it, was, it was a very lovely moment. They were supportive, I assume, of you wanting to do this when you were younger? Yeah, 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 yeah. Funny <laughs> enough. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's not too they convincing. <laughs> no, they were, they were. I mean, it's, it's like anything. The, I think the daft thing with this industry is the lifestyle tends to overshadow the, the music and the hard work that gets put into the music. Um, but unfortunately, as as I'm sure you're aware, you know, the lifestyles tends to kind of like run alongside it, sometimes a little bit too close. So I, I think at times they were concerned about the lifestyle, but I think um, they've they've seen and they saw earlier on that, I, you know, I just had such a genuine passion for performing and writing music and not just getting drunk with my, my friends in the park on a, on a Wednesday afternoon, you know, it's a healthy mix of everything. Well, listen, man, you're, you're finding that balance. You've made a great record here and it's great to see you and talk to you for a bit. Hopefully we'll be doing it soon at the rainbow, sitting in the back booth, having a couple drinks and swapping Ooh. some stories. Look forward to doing that again sometime soon when we can all get together. But, uh, Say hello to the band. Continued success with this. We're here if you need anything, and uh, keep kicking ass, man. Thank you so much, and thank you, everyone, for having me. I really appreciate it. All right, Luke, take care. We'll see you. All right, see you in a bit, mate. Bye. See you. Thanks to Luke Spiller. Appreciate him joining us. Thanks earlier to Tommy Shaw as well. Thank you for listening to the Eddie Trunk Podcast. Wherever you are in the world, it is appreciated. Don't forget new episodes every Thursday. Please be sure to subscribe. And of course, thank you to Goodies Hangover. It's a powerful pain reliever and a boosting ingredient. It'll give you fast pain relief and a boost of alertness. It'll help you battle the groggy, tired feeling that comes with a hangover. It's hangover relief at the speed of powder. And it's available at Walmart, Dollar General, Amazon, and other fine retailers. More info at goodiespowder.com. I'll see you guys next Thursday for a new episode. Remember to follow on social media for info and updates. Thank you all for listening. Thanks to Katie Irizarry for producing, and have yourselves a great week. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.